This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Anne? Anne, don't be silly. If this ever gets found out, I will confess to everything. I will tell them it was only... But I stop listening. And suddenly I am in the dark again. I drift off to sleep. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called Midnight Tales. Listen to the darkness. Tale 2 A Few Broken Feathers Chapter 1 The whole place is dark. I wait, my heart beating fast as always. Tick, 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 it goes. I cannot feel my own breath. And suddenly, that lightness, it comes over me, and I am in the air again. A scream escapes me at the surprise of being plunged into the air like that. I anticipate the sound of my own voice carrying through the still dark surroundings, but instead, a hoot is what comes out. Then it wakes up. The oak tree that sees everything, with its multitude of eyes protruding out of its thick bark. It stares ahead, and its many gazes focus on me all at once. I narrow in on one of its great, longing eyes, and fear comes over me. I know it can see what I had done. It stares so intense I want to run, so I plunge into the darkness. I try to run away, but instead I am propelled through the air. Of course, my wings. I forget every time. You must hear me out, I try to tell the great oak tree, but it won't listen. It stares at me with a quiet resolve. Then it does something it had never done before. It catches a thin veil of moonlight and moves it in my direction. I freeze. Only my wings flap in the air, hanging onto the darkness, almost lost. Yet, when the moonlight approaches me, it shines on me, bathing my feathers in its silver light and caressing them. I am in the spotlight, all eyes on me, It takes me a moment to realize that the oak is trying to show me something. I fly around in a circle and get into the moonlight again. Only this time, I am following it. I fly fast. My wings flap with a marvelous loud whoosh. My claws are tucked in, and I am filled with purpose. As I approach the end of the moonlit path, I see him. He is shaking with anger and yelping in pain. As I get closer, he howls at me. Only I know this isn't just any animal. 
This great raging wolf is John. He looks exactly like him. As I fly over him, our eyes meet, and he bears his sharp white teeth at me, threatening. But I am not scared. I am not scared because I had already killed John once before. He knows this, so he is terrified, despite the aggressive snare. I circle above him, see that he is bleeding heavily. Then I realize something. I am here to finish him off. John had passed. I know that. Yet his spirit fights, lingering between our two worlds. He is miserable, lost. And since I finished this work in my other world, I now must finish this horrible task in this one too. John bites at the air around him, threatening, growling and yelping like he wants to get at me. I am afraid that if I get any closer, he will take a chunk out of me, bite me into two. I circle him from above, hooting, trying to find a weak spot. But he won't let me get close enough to see. Suddenly, Gloria appears out of the bush. I know it is her because she runs out and stares at me with that same look she always has. I can never forget that smile. She is a beautiful fox, her fur also silver in the light of the moon. She gets close to the ground as if unsure of what to do next, her gaze directed at the wolf. She crouches and stares intensely at the wolf. The wolf does not like her being there. He leaps forward, and a loud, hideous noise escapes him. Gloria taunts him. She gets close, and as he is about to leap for her, she jumps up high in the air and comes at him from a different direction. This drives John insane. He barks into the darkness, crazed and angry, his teeth sharp and biting at the air around him in frustration. Gloria does this trick several times. She does it until John is on his belly, exposed. This is my chance. I tuck my wings and plunge forward towards him, planting my powerful talons in his back, my beak ripping at his thick flesh. As soon as I see his sharp teeth coming for me, I take off and launch through the air, my great wings flapping with all my might. He manages to rip a few of my large feathers out, it hurts, but I keep going. I must try. I circle him some more. Gloria does her trick again. And suddenly John is once again on his belly. I plunge forward as before, ripping at his back, plunging myself into his neck, feeling blood streak across my beak, feeling something warm and sticky all over my face. John tries to plunge his teeth in me again, but this time it is different. This time he is so weak that he is barely able to lift his large head off the ground. I plunge my beak deeper until I feel something warm inside of him snap and a river pours out of him, soaking the earth with its smell of metal. I keep going. I plunge deeper and deeper 
I want to feel his ghost breathing down my neck. That is when I will stop. When the body is no longer warm beneath me. When it all turns to ashes in the silver light of the moon. But that does not happen. John makes a sudden turn onto his back and almost plunges his sharp teeth into my wing. I fly off into the air, propelled forward by fear. When I turn back, I see him limp away, drag himself towards a hole in the ground. I fly so fast I can feel the air make a sound as I glide quickly through it. Gloria runs off into the bush. She is terrified of John, even as weak as he is. I must get at him. I must. I get my claws ready for the final hit. Yet just as I am about to strike him, he disappears into that hole in the ground. I miss him by a hair and roll onto the grass, my great wings still flapping. Then I lift my head up and see the oak tree. It is as great and magnificent as ever. It stares at me, all eyes on this horrible, bloody scene. I lift my beak up into the air and spread those great wings of mine, a few broken feathers. I am not ashamed of what I had done. I am not afraid of the great oak tree judging me. I hoot and fly off into the darkness. Thank you for supporting Crawl Space Media Podcasts. I'm here to tell you about LA Not So Confidential, the forensic psychology and true crime podcast brought to you by me, Dr. Shiloh, and this guy. Hey, I'm her bestie and co-host, Dr. Scott. She was a cop and I was a Hollywood casting director. Now we're both forensic psychologists working in Los Angeles. Twice a month, we bring you a classic or contemporary true crime story. We apply the real psychological concepts behind the story and dish on the media's representations of those cases. Subscribe now to LA Not So Confidential, wherever you get your Crawl Space Media podcasts. True Crime, Psychology, and Snark. We find that in these times, everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why we're excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract. Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 40% off any purchase by using show code STORIES. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. I'm awake at once with panic still buzzing through my veins. That is when I see Bunny's little face hovering above mine. Mummy, Mummy, I'm hungry, she says. Her voice carries through the room and rings in my ears. I yawn. Baby? 
I'm hungry. I want juice, she wails. All right, all right, I'm coming. I get up and throw on my robe. It is still very early, and the morning is gray, drowning in the darkness of the retreating night. What's that? She squats on the floor next to my muddy rubber boots. My heart stops as I look at them. A memory of what went on last night, a distant nightmare. Go in the kitchen, I tell her. I grab the boots and head for the garage. I throw them in through the tiny slit in the door. And suddenly, the boots and the nightmare are out of my mind. Bunny sings a song and dangles her feet while she drinks her orange juice. I stare at her small form. So careless and simple her world is. Then, a terrible sickness comes over me and I have to hunch over the scrambled eggs, steadying myself with my left hand against the stove. What will happen to Bunny if anyone finds out about last night? My mind is racing. But of course nobody will, I tell myself. No one will ever know. I get back to the eggs, and yet I cannot shake the memory of the way the oak tree peered into me with its thousands of eyes in my dream. I plate our breakfast, and carefully set the plates on the table. Bunny digs in right away and goes for her breakfast with her hands. The eggs are hot, so she instantly pulls away. Ouch! Come on, you know how to use a fork. I turn to get my cup of coffee, and when I turn back again, I see Bunny make attempts with a fork, awkwardly stabbing at her meal. Here, baby, that's how you do it, I show her, and Bunny frowns but uses the fork properly this time. I am not hungry, but I eat anyway, mechanically placing the food in small bits and chewing. Somehow my food is tasteless. I can't even smell it. Then my phone rings, and my whole body jumps. Bunny jumps too, suddenly frightened by me. It's okay, baby, go back to your eggs. I go to get the phone. Hello? It's me. There is a silence on the other end but I can hear Gloria's breaths. Anne, how are you? She says. Well, I think I'm fine. You? I... I think so? She makes it sound like she is asking me a question. I couldn't sleep all night. I felt sick. Maybe I should take a sick day. I think for a moment, but something is unsettling to me about Gloria taking a sick day. No, no, don't do that, I tell her. Do everything the way you always do. Go to work, and then do all the usual stuff. You can't seem different now. You are right. I'll come by tonight. Bunny needs to be picked up, and we will discuss this. What if someone notices? There is panic in her voice. Yeah, they will, that's for sure. But you cannot do anything, not yet. John usually comes back late and drunk on top of it almost days anyway. If you act odd now, people will get suspicious. You know how small this place is. Wait until next morning before you call the police or sound the alarm. I look back at Bonnie, who is still placing forkfuls of eggs into her mouth. Her feet are dangling carelessly. I wonder if she is listening to me. I wonder if she knows what I am talking about. My chest is heavy at the thought of her knowing what I can be capable of, and I shudder. Anne, you are right. You are so right, darling. Oh, Anne, what would I do without you? Just act as you always would. Don't think of last night. 
I say this quietly for the fear of scaring Bunny with my words. As I hear myself say this, I start to wonder if I too can manage to go through my day just as if nothing had happened. I dress Bunny and then rush around my room, trying to finish everything off on time. I have the early shift today, and I barely got an hour of sleep. We miss the school bus, so Bunny and I get into my car, and I drive us down the road. Everything looks as it always does, except that my hands are shaking. I try not to pay attention, but the shaking just won't go away. I look back and see Bunny looking out the window carelessly, studying the houses and fields as they zip by us. Looking at her calms me down, and I breathe easier. I feel even better when I see her disappear through the doors of the car, her little backpack bouncing up and down as she walks down the path and towards the large gate of her school. Be good. I will see you soon. Gloria's picking you up today, I call after her, and she gives me a small wave with her tiny hand. For some reason, this little gesture brings tears to my eyes. I get so emotional that I am embarrassed. I wipe my eyes and drive myself to work with my shaking hands. I have to try. I must do all I can to act the way I usually do. I push the pedal and the car accelerates. The speed takes me by surprise as I plunge through the empty green fields. I am late for work. On the next episode of Midnight Tales, Gloria goes to the door and opens it. Sheriff Benson steps in and takes off his hat, holding it against his large belly. He greets Gloria and nods at me. Then he heads to the kitchen to join me at the table. He looks pensive and distraught. Gloria follows him. Well, have you heard anything around town, Luke? Anything? Oh, she is a good actress. My hands shake harder. Not a damn word. Luke studies his own hands, as if trying to find an answer there. Thank you for listening to Midnight Tales, a Crawl Space Media production of a pi-rational story from the in-between. Voice acted by me, Natalie Nottis. Music and post-production by David Williams. Written by pi-rational writer. Stories from the In-Between is part of the Crawl Space Media Network family. This is a Blast Box Media Podcast.